like that. Yeah, there it is. Um, okay. I think it's appropriate or maybe inappropriate to tell a story about getting sick. I'm not sure. Um, but uh, I've only had one weird uh, tropical sickness that I know of so far, and I thought it was dengue fever. Um, but there we are in the village, and I've gotten sick, and other people in the village are sick too, and it's like just achy. You know, it's not like fever or uh, flu achy. It's like an, another kind of uh, achiness. And so that's kind of going around, and I'm sick. i got to be, it probably was three weeks that I was sick and just aching, and then it just lingered. You know, it was like, oh, no, I've got arthritis in my hands already because just joint pain in my hands and stuff, and I don't know what's going on. Anyways, we eventually get out of the bush, and we're, we're back on a center, and we go and we go visit uh, the um, mission doctors, and I ask him, okay, what is it? What is going on? I got this stuff going on. What is this? And uh, he's saying, that sounds like dengue fever. Well, there, something about mission doctors that I think is, is very special is they like to then go on and tell you about how, how quickly it can kill you and all the <laughs> horror stories about, about that disease. And anyways, he's like, we got this test we can do and, and uh, see if that's what it was. Because um, there's nothing you can do about it. Dengue fever is a mosquito-borne illness, and there's, it's a virus. There's nothing you can do about it. You get it, you get it. Um, anyways, he tests me, and I'm waiting for the results. I don't hear anything. Months later, we go back, and I'm like, what happened with that test? And he's like, oh, I don't know. He comes back, and he's like, oh, you were negative. It's not dengue fever which for some reason didn't make me feel any better that I had an unknown disease or sickness going on. Um, but, yeah, that's just... <laughs> so we understand coming back here with all the coronavirus, it's like, man, this is... Some, some way it's very normal for a lot of the rest of the world. There are just... There's sickness constantly uh, that can take you out. So, anyways, I don't know if that was appropriate or inappropriate. Um, whoops, I was trying to print this and it didn't work and I have a new computer and you have to have a little uh, dongle to do anything, so bear with me a little bit, I'm sorry. Okay, uh, the title, What Have I Done? I have to admit, it took me like three months to write this um, because initially it started out as like a, a journal entry, you know, where I'm, I'm, I'm venting emotions, you know, debriefing on this, and so it was actually very challenging to write, and it was very negative, and so I tried to filter some of that out and, 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 and put the positive in there and get, give a good rounded uh, story of what was going on. Um, so the last time we was here, it was about three years ago, and we got to use other people's stories about Papua New Guinea and, and um, what they were doing, what the work was gonna like, look like, and now we have our own stories. And so I wanna start by giving a little context to our work, um, where we're at, what we're doing. Um, so this is going to be a, a, a update and a, a message all in one. Um, so we serve, I saw the picture back there, you can check out the map, that's accurate. We work on Unea Island, it's also known as Bali Island. Do not be confused, it is not Bali, Indonesia. We are not living in resorts and, you know, ministering to the, to the valets and the cabana boys and the waiters and waitresses there. Uh, I mean, if you want to come on vacation out there, you can, but I don't know how much rest you'll get. Um, and so uh, that is accurate. It's called Uneapa. That's the traditional name. It is in the islands region of Papua New Guinea. Um, it's just kind of northwest of um, New Britain, West New Britain province. And so we're about, we're about, from the closest land, we're about 45 miles. 
uh, so not too bad. From town, the closest town, our mission base, we're about 120 miles, or uh, uh, sorry, that's kilometers, about 90 miles, right, um, by boat. So that's about a four-hour boat ride. Um, we can also go to land closer to us, and then it's a five-hour car ride. Um, so it's really, it's remote, but it's not too bad in comparison to some other places in Papua New Guinea. Um, our island was uh, cultivated as a coconut and cocoa bean plantation back in the 40s um, by a German plantation owner. He came in and he, he um, bought the land or what, I don't know, really know what happened. Anyways, he got it. He did coconuts and cocoa plantation and he brought a lot of development into our island. Uh, you know, with money comes development. They had, there was cars, roads, they had all kinds of crazy stuff out there. And so when that plantation um, quit working, not too long ago actually, um, they've actually developed since that time um, because there was no training to manage and there's cultural things that go along with that. Anyways, they've developed from that time but in regards to Papua New Guinea and some of the stories you hear about people with their grass skirts and, you know, they, they don't know anything, um, that's not the people we're dealing with. They're actually very, very developed. Undeveloped. Yes. They've gone backwards. D, what did I say? Developed? Oh, yeah, sorry. Okay. They're undeveloped. They went backwards. Our people have gone backwards. Um, and so but they're still very developed. They're still very ahead of the rest. Um, our island is a three square mile island with 15,000 people. So it's actually very, very dense. And uh, part of the reason that I think they're so dense is because they have two functioning aid posts on the island, um, which by functioning, I mean they are staffed regularly and they have medicine regularly. Um, there's a lot of other places that the nearest aid post is a six-hour hike. And if you go, there may be a doctor, or maybe there won't be. And if there is a doctor, they, there may be medicine or there may not be. And you also sometimes deal with, they may see you or they may not see you. And so there, there's a lot of things there. And so on our island, there are two functioning houses. Just, they're very big. One is a brand new one. They just built, I don't know how that happened, but they've got this brand new house, uh, sorry, they call it house uh, clinic with doctors and everything. It's very, very nice. Um, so their health is really good. The felt needs on our island are, are um, different than some other places. So they, they have those, they have a lot of schools. Almost every village, which there's 13 main villages, has an elementary school. There's four primary schools, and then they have a brand new high school that's there. So education is a big thing there. Um, they've got clean water. They've got food for the most part, but the issue is there's so many people that the gardens, there's not a lot of land for gardening. Um, a big source of food is coconuts for them, but some areas don't have a lot of coconuts for whatever reason. Um, so just very, very interesting and very unique in that. Um, one of the, the clinics that was set up was by Catholic missionaries. They were the first missionaries out on our island. So there's a very large Catholic influence out there. Um, they had schools and the clinic. Uh, they're no longer there, but they still have what they call the Catholic mission is still there. And then we also have, like at the Catholic mission and on the other side of the island, they have docks and they actually have uh, larger cargo boats that come and go pretty regularly. So when we're ready to, to ship supplies out to the island, we're able to put those on the cargo boats and uh, then we'll be able to go and pick them up when they arrive. That, that trip on the cargo boat is like uh, 
16 to maybe three day trip um, to travel approximately 90 miles. Um, and that's because they just go really slow. So 16 hours, that's like you're going straight. Three days is, oh, by the way, we got to go over here and we're going to stop. And then we're going to go over here and then we're going to stop. And then maybe we'll go over here, you know. And so I got to ride on that and it took me two days to get back to, to where I needed to go. And that was a uh, not my favorite experience, but it was a learning experience. I was able to empathize with the people because um, that's a main source of travel for them. They also have lots of little 26-foot dinghies that they use. So travel on and off the island is good, but the oceans around the island tend to be rough um, just in general. There's lots of wind and currents are meeting, so it's, it's, it's a little rough for someone like me who's from Colorado and uh, has zero experience with the ocean. So... Um, but just a very, very unique place. Um, the people are fairly well educated, especially the older generations, because they were, they were going through education through the schools when the plantation was still going on. And so some of those guys were around when Australia was in charge of Papua New Guinea, and they received basically an Australian education, um, which is, is very, very good. And so we see a lot of potential, um, and I'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, very, we call them townie. They're back and forth from town. They got clothes. I was just shocked. We got out there, and these guys have stereos. You know, they're blasting music. These guys have batteries and solar panels. Now, they're not real fancy. They're real cheap, but they've got them. Almost every house has lights. Some of them are wired to the battery. Some of them were gifted by politicians trying to uh, campaign, win a vote or two. And so they've got lights. Um, they've got stereos, which is just the most bizarre thing. I saw a TV roaming around for a while with a DVD player, and they would do showings with that, and they're watching modern movies and stuff, and they'll, they, it was basically running nonstop until it broke, and then, and then it was done, you know, no problem. Um, so just, uh, just very, very different than what you imagine when you think of Papua New Guinea with the grass houses. They still have their grass, grass houses, um, but... A little bit different. So we uh, were introduced to Bali um, about two years ago. This month, it'll be actually right around this time is the first time we went out two years ago and visited uh, Bali. Uh, we choppered out to meet the people and let them know, hey, we were going to come join your team or this, this work. And so um, I'll give a little history on that. The Bali work also is an is a existing work, meaning that other missionaries opened the work in 2013. Um, it was a team of three. They went out. They opened it, but due to s- pretty serious conflict in the team, um, two of the members left um, for various reasons, and then only one family was left. And, that, and they were there alone for a few years. But the, the split in that team was so severe that it impacted the people. And there was actually a split in the people. There were people who had to leave the village because of the shame or because of the uh, fear or whatever. Um, and so it was very, very serious. So this is a, a damaged work that we entered into, and we knew that. And so we, we joined the team uh, two years ago, around this time, and... Uh, we went out, we visited them, and uh, we were ready to kind of get set up. So me and my partner, we went out, we set up our house because there was three houses already set. So we got to skip house building, um, which is kind of a blessing, uh, but not at the same time because that's a nice buffer time to get to know the people, get to know your partners a little bit. And, um, but we kind of skipped that. We went out there, got the houses set up, and then the families all came out. 
and it was two months we were kind of out there setting up doing that. And when we went back to our main center, I was when our partners um, basically had a medical emergency and had to leave. Uh, the doctors there in Papua New Guinea, um, our missions doctor said it was basically stress-related uh, injury that took them out. And so they've been home on furlough for the last about two years. And they've been working through that, and, and, and it's been a discovery process. And uh, with that, they discovered that, sure, it was stress-related, but it was also a thyroid issue at the same time. So the way they describe it is it was like a perfect storm because those things going together are not good at all. Um, because they kind of feed off of each other. And so they, they've, they've kind of gotten that under control. They've taken steps to move forward with that, and they're on the road to recovery at this time. And, and how long that'll take, we're not sure, but we want to give them the time they need. Their heart and their goal is to return. And that's what they're planning on. That's what they're working on. And so it's very, very cool, and we're excited about that. We've been able to visit with them a couple times since we've been back. Um, but they left right before we were ready to really get into it, to really get started. And that question of what have I done was a regular question, a regular question as, as we were there um, because it was just like, this, this, there's nothing going right. This is just crazy. Like um, they left and so we had to move in alone. We decided that we wanted to move in because of what we heard some of the people saying, kind of the idea of, well, Maybe we want you here, maybe we don't. And almost like they're looking for a reason to close the door on new tribes being there, uh, on, on the missionaries being there. And, you know, it's a, if they did, that's fine. We're going to move out. Um, but we wanted to do what we could to prevent that. And so we thought, we have to go out. We have to go back there. Even though going out by ourselves is probably the worst idea we could do, we don't really have any other options. It's like we do that or potentially this work closes and these people never have the opportunity here um, and understand the gospel. And so we decided to go back, and Hannah and I and our girls, we went back alone. And that was very, very, very challenging because being something that was already established, um, we had to learn on the job, basically. You know, it's like, basically, you're going into a new job, and someone's going to train you to do the job, and then that person who's going to train you is like, okay, I, I can't, I've got to go. And then here you are with this job, and you don't know what you're doing for the most part, and you got to learn it on the job. Now, luckily, we knew a lot. We know a lot of what we're supposed to do. We have training, but the, it was the details. It was the. It was. Um, we have to pay for security for our houses, um, otherwise they'll get broken into, and the people look after our houses. Well, that's a whole big stressful thing because I don't know who is part of that security. I don't know who to trust because they'll take advantage of you the first second they get, you know. And the guy, a guy came and he was like, you know what, just give me all the money. You know, nobody else is around, it's just me and him. Give me all the money, and then I'll go and give it, distribute it to the, the, to the right people. And I was like, I don't want to do that because I don't trust you. But that's not what I can say, because that would offend him. So it's like, I'm new and I don't know what I'm doing, so I don't want to mess it up, so I can't do that, you know. But it's just heavy. It, was, it felt so heavy because I... Now I've just offended this guy, you know, and I don't know if it's actually going to go, the money's going to go where it needs to go. And so that was very um, common for our first six months or so. And um, yeah, just, just crazy. And so that question of what have I done came through. And then Galatians 6.9 was really a theme verse, you know, that we just had to cling to. If we didn't believe God had us where he wanted us, uh, it would have been so hard, and then believing that 
um, we just have to continue on. We need to press through doing good because I thought to myself, the reason that he has that verse in there is because people have an issue with it. You don't have to say it if nobody has an issue, but clearly there was a, there's a reason that he has to remind people to continue doing good. Um, let me read that just real quick. And um, I've, got a bigger, I've got a bigger section of it just to give a little context. So this is Galatians 6, 1 through 9. Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to, to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But each one must examine his own work, and then he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone, and not in regard to another. For each one will bear, in his, will bear his own load. The one who is taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. For then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those who are in the household of the faith. And, it, and, and really, it was that one verse, that one verse, you'll, you'll reap what you sow, basically, in, in due time. Because it just, it just, it hurt. And... As we were going forward, not only was it just hard because of the culture, the culture is different, and because of the stresses that go along with that, it was hard because the Lord was drawing stuff out of my own life. He was drawing stuff out of me that needs to be drawn out, but it hurt. And the way I, would, I said it to Hannah, and I've described it since, is it's like, as we're doing this work, I feel like it nails on the head every single weakness that exists inside of me. Every single weakness, you know? And it was, it was crushing, and, and I, I'm um, kind of a pessimist, but when I'm tired and when things aren't going well, I turn into a fatalist. And so what would normally be, well, that's not a good situation, I go to the extreme of, well, basically, what's the point? Because it's all going to fail anyway, so I might as well just not do anything. And, and that's not a real good attitude to have when there's really no one else around you to say, hey, come on, Garen, you know? There's no one else to correct you. My wife did her best, but I'm a hard one to, to hear. And I didn't, I didn't have a brother to come alongside me and say, Garen, you're being dumb. You really need to, like, stop it. Or to hear me and understand me and say, yeah, I, I hear you, you know? And so it was, it was very, very challenging and very, very good at the same time. I don't know if those can go together, but they do so often. So yeah, we were, we were there, we were left by ourselves, and um, just constantly preaching to ourselves, we just got to keep going, keep going, keep going. And we found that expectation was a big thing. We've got these expectations, what it's supposed to look like, and it makes sense. We're new. I mean, we're brand new. We don't know what we're doing. We really don't. We've had a broad, a broad training to kind of give us the tools, but now it's time to fine-tune, and it really is like on-the-job training. 
And it was, um, yeah. And so we don't know what we're doing. Everything is new, and it's, it's going to be challenging. That's anything. You're not going to do anything good the first time you try it. But we had these expectations. I've been trained in language learning. I've learned the, the, the pidgin language, uh, the national language that's there. Uh, so surely I should be able to conquer this tribal language, um, but that wasn't the case. It was, uh, it's been quite the struggle, and primarily due to attitude. But we have, by God's grace, we have made, we've made advancement in that. So we spent the last year and a half there, uh, working with the people, and, and, and really the way I would describe our time is because we, we don't have a lot of fruit necessarily to show for. You know, I can't say, hey, we're, we're finished with language, we're moving into this, we've done these works with the people, we've done these projects, or we've done this. We're not at that point yet. We're still in the beginning of our work. Um, what I can say has happened, and this is huge, this is really, really huge actually, and this is the positive side of all that suffering, all that you know, oh, what's going on? I hate this. You know, what have I done? God, why, why have you brought me here? You know, this is your fault, God. <laughs> you know? But come, come to the end of our time, right before we came back to the U.S., we had our first language check. Uh, we checked, we finished the first level. We've got nine more to go. So it's a little ways to go, but we're making advancement um, in this undocumented language. But what one of our guys said, he said, this was the first time I've been out here that I haven't heard one of the people complaining or bringing a demand or, you know, um, some sort of, of, you have to repay me for this, against the missionaries. And that was not because the missionaries necessarily were being really bad and doing crazy stuff, but that was showing the effect of the breakup of that team, that, that there was a certain amount of distrust and distaste for the missionaries um, because of that. And so during this time, as we were struggling through and feeling like we were failures, and we weren't doing well, and our expectations weren't meeting, and there were thoughts of leaving and quitting already, you know, in our first year and a half, uh, we come to that, that time, and that was just probably the most encouraging thing that I heard, that, that when, our, when our consultants said, these guys, these guys haven't, they don't have a problem with you. And we thought maybe that's what God was doing while we were there, because we're outside of the history and so he's able to use us to potentially renew and refresh these guys' hearts and their minds because we don't have baggage. We're new and we're fresh and we're kind of ignorant, so they're taking advantage of us. But we're also coming in with some different methodology where it's like, well, isn't it our job to be taken advantage of? I'm pretty sure our example may have been taken advantage of a little bit. As Christ was walked, he was beaten and, you know, bloodied to death for us and he didn't deserve it at all. And yet I'm slightly offended if they come and ask me for a pack of coffee. It's like, how dare you, you know? Um, and so we functioned in that way a little bit with them, where in their culture, the more you have, the more you should share, right? They have, they have political names for that type of, of society, but it works to a certain degree there. And so we, being wealthier white people, there is a certain expectation. And so we tried to find the culturally appropriate ways. And so that's how we function. We shared coffee. They love instant Nescafe coffee. One spoon coffee, two spoon sugar. That's like, that's it right there. And so I spent a lot of time drinking instant Nescafe coffee and 
I felt the effects of it by the end of the day, you know, because they don't just, it's not like, oh, we're going to have a cup, sit down and chat. It's like, oh, you brought me this big pack. We're going to drink all of it right now. Quick, go get the sugar. We're drinking all of this right now, you know, and people just come in. They refer to themselves as the black ants because when sugar is around, the ants find the sugar, and that's what they do. They smell the sugar, and they just swarm, you know, and that's what they call themselves, which I just think is so funny. Um, our people have a very sarcastic sense of humor, which is awesome. Um, it's very, very funny, and, um, you know, when they're, yeah, when you're just kind of goofing off, it's, it's a lot of fun. But that's what we did, and it meant a lot to them, and that's what it was. And we also had a thing, even though we knew the stories of what the missionaries had done to each other and the negative and the positive, we always just kind of put it in a positive light um, because we're not there to create division. In fact, we want to show them unity. Um, that was a, that's a big part of our team um, motto and goal is we believe that unity, much like the love that we're supposed to share as the body of Christ, is a representation of Christ and is a witness to those around us. As they say, oh, look, these guys say that they believe the same thing and that they, they call themselves brothers, but yet they're constantly bickering and fighting. And we are the only example that they have of that, of the body of Christ. And they've seen the negative side. And so we worked very hard, even though we didn't know the full situation, to show them, look, listen, I, we don't know the full situation, but what these guys were doing was okay, but it wasn't exactly what should have been happening, and trying to emphasize the positive. Um, because a cultural thing that the people will do is they have to tear someone else down in order to build you up. So it's like, these guys were so terrible over here, they never gave me any coffee, but you, you're the best, you give me coffee all the time. And... The goal is not to actually tear that person down. They're just trying to compliment you. But culturally, I don't know why, but that's what they got to do, and they commonly will do that. So we, we saw that a little bit, and we kind of thought about that, and we thought about the grace, too, of us being able to go when, the other mission, when, when our partners, Josh and Faye Butler, had to leave. And, and now, looking back, we really believe that God was building foundations. We believe that he was building foundations for us going back and continuing the work. And, and in the future, when we are able to present um, teaching and, and give them that opportunity to hear the whole story and give them that opportunity to, to make a decision if they want to, we believe God is preparing their hearts, but he's also preparing our hearts because we have to be in a place where we're usable in his hands. And our partners too, even with the sickness, we believe it's part of that where God is working and growing them in this time and healing them so that when we are able to go back, we will be more effective or as effective as we need to be. That's probably the proper way to say it because we're probably going to go back and it's going to be like, this is so hard, but that's, we'll, we'll hopefully be a little bit more humble in God's hands as we're going forward. And so it just goes back to that idea again of don't grow weary in doing good. And it just... Again, it stuck with me so much in that idea of Paul wrote that because these Galatians probably were having a problem with that. Oh, I've been doing this for so long. I keep helping this guy, and you know, I'm serving here. I'm serving here in the church, and I'm not getting any recognition. It's hard. I keep all I get is the is the negative, you know. Well, continue on. Because what we're looking for is not here and now. That reward is not here and now, right? There's something that we look forward to, a hope that we have for the future. Um, and 
we're to continue on and trust, right? It, it always comes down to faith. Do I believe that? Do I believe that God, when he said, continue on and you'll reap what you sow, do I believe that, both positive and negative? Because one should produce fear and one should produce hope. And they should all bring you back to Christ. So overall, I think it was very, very positive, our time there. Overall, I think it was very, very good, and it's been a growing opportunity for us. I would, without a doubt, hands down, just say that, you know, we're no different than anyone else. It's just we somehow made the decision to go out and do this, and God is choosing to use us in this. And, um, and that's not saying that the struggles we experience are any different than anyone else either. It's just there's a certain context for that type of struggle, and here, there's a certain kind of struggle too. And the challenge is, don't grow weary in doing good. Because the things that we do, they have ramifications. I'm looking at my notes now. I realize I've got off my notes a little bit. But, um, yeah. I do so much want to say that we, we so appreciate, and, and part of the reason I think we were able to say stay was because we knew we were prayed for. We knew that people back home were praying for us and caring for us in that way, and, and, and we genuine, genuinely believe that those prayers have carried us through and continue to carry us through. Because um, even now, coming back here to the U.S., it's kind of like, well, we're not sure when we go back. We have a plan to go back beginning of next year, but then deep down there's this little desire of like, well, if we can't go back until maybe five years later, that would be okay too. You know, using coronavirus as an excuse to not return. That's there deep down. And genuinely, the prayers that continue to come for us and our growth and that we would, we would be serving and seeking the Lord is what it takes for us to continue on. And we so appreciate that. Um, and it is so good. And so our vision for the future with Bali is, is very, very simple, um, but kind of grand at the same time. I have this vision that God is potentially going to use the Bali people to impact the entire country of Papua New Guinea. This is, I don't, I've, I've, I've got it stuck in my mind. Maybe I shouldn't say it out loud because maybe it would be disappointing if it doesn't happen. But that's what I see because these guys on this tiny little island out in the Bismarck Sea have people in high-level positions in government already. There are Bali people in government positions, and I just wonder, how in the world did these guys, this small little group of people, get people in government positions? I don't know. That's my answer. I have no idea. Maybe it has to do with the plantation, education, things like that. I don't know. But they have, they're already positioned in a way that I could see them, a believer being able to move into a position of government authority and impacting the entire country for good. And when I describe good, I don't mean evangelizing the entire country. I mean functioning without being corrupt. I mean functioning and managing their resources well so that people can actually um, benefit from the, the many resources that they have there. And so that's my vision, as well as being a huge impact on the church that's there, because there are believers that are there. And right now, in, in the, the islands region of Papua New Guinea, there is kind of a movement of churches saying, well, I know you're way over here and I'm way over here, but we're one. So we need to function like we're one. And they're beginning to support each other and come together and be united and hearing the challenges of what's going over here 
And these guys don't struggle with that, and so they're, be able, they're able to come in and, and interact with each other and build each other up, which is super, super cool. And we see the Bali people being able to play a, a, a big role in that when there are believers because um, there are places where people, and it seems strange, but they're not critical thinkers. If, if they, they just don't think the same way we do. We have been trained because of our education system to think critically, to think um, creatively, and in, in when it re- refers to study and thinking, trying to think through, you know, the idea of, okay, read this little paragraph and I'll write a summary. It's just they, some of those guys don't have that. They don't, they don't think that way. And there's nothing wrong with that, but it makes it hard for the missionary to hand things off and say, this is yours. I'm not, this is not me. This is yours. Um, and there, there's also a, a shift where they're seeing that where places where there are churches and believers and they're saying, we need the missionaries to come back and write us more lessons because they, 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 don't, they haven't been trained to study the Word of God. And the Bali people, because of their education and because of the, the development that has happened there, they think critically. They think creatively. Just sarcasm in itself, as they're creating these, these names and these jokes, is, is showing their creativeness and their critical thinking as they're making allusions to things and but they also are they're studying on their own. And I believe that there's a huge potential for as we're teaching them and we teach them how to handle the Word of God on their own and they can study the Word of God on their own, that they will be able to create their own lessons and do, the, do their own teaching apart from us, which is the goal. Our goal is not to go in and rule over them and, and change things. Our goal is to present the gospel clearly and understandably so they can grab hold of it if they want to, and if they do want to, to equip them to be able to move forward and continue on. But that, that ability to handle the Word of God independently and read it and understand it independent of a, the missionary or lessons is something that it needs to be cultivated more and more. And I think these guys have it, which would be a huge benefit to the other churches that maybe struggle. Because maybe they can go in and say, hey, let's walk together and we'll teach you how to do this. We'll, we'll learn how to do this together apart from the missionaries. The goal really is for there to be no um, expat missionaries in Papua New Guinea or anywhere else, right? The goal is for the people who are there to be doing the work because they're going to do it a whole lot better. Um, So that's my grand vision and plan, whether it happens or not, I don't know. But that's what we're praying for, and that's what I would say uh, you guys could pray for also, um, vision-wise. Um. Yeah, don't grow weary in doing good because we will, we will reap. And honestly, if, if we get to heaven, all of us, and there's one Bali believer there, it's worth it, right? It's worth it because that, that, that harvest is not up to us. We're just supposed to go and do what we're supposed to do, and the rest is in the Lord's hands. So thank you guys so much. Uh, we, we appreciate you, and we're thankful that we get to be here. It's fun to reconnect um, we have prayer cards over there. You guys take them if you want. You don't have to, obviously, you know, handing things out. I don't controversial, but they're there. Um, they have our prayer card in them. They have our partner's prayer card in them, which I would, I would just encourage you to be praying for them too because if they struggle, we struggle. That's just the way it, it's like a marriage. It really is. If they struggle, we struggle. And then there's a picture. Each envelope has a different picture of a family from our island, um, and we'd, like, we'd ask that you'd pray for that family specifically, whichever envelope you, you get and whatever family, just, just pray for them. Their name is on there or, or some of their name is on there. 
um, and just pray for them specifically. We, we would have liked to have more, but it just didn't work out. But some of these guys are key people, key leaders, future leaders. Um, some of them are just random people we got a picture of, and, but they need to be prayed for too because they may be the guy that becomes the future leader of the church. We just don't know. And so um, pray for the Bali people in general and then specifically. Um, so thank you so much. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you for uh, this opportunity to be here and how good you are, God. We thank you that uh, you are working and um, you work in spite of us and, um, and through us. And we just give you glory and honor. Thank you for PCBC and their love for you, Lord, and their faithfulness. Um, yeah, we just commit today to you in Jesus' name. Amen. In him of all that thrills my soul.